The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Gabby, and welcome to What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. I'm the founder of What's Gabby Cooking, a food website. I'm a best-selling author, and now I'm a podcast host. What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking-related questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and so much more. Plus, every episode, I'm going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, since we're all limiting the amount of time we spend at the grocery store. So without further ado, this is What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. I mean, I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but I just need you all to know my birthday's in three days. I'm very excited. I've always been a big birthday person. I mean, but to be honest, this year, I'm probably just going to eat cookies and like binge watch TV by myself because hashtag quarantine. But whatever. I'm still counting down. I'm going to celebrate for the whole month of June. I cannot wait. Anyways, happy Friday. Pumped to bring you guys some fun questions today. Let's get right into it and solve some problems. Hi, Gabby. This is Tori from Orange County. First, I just wanted to say thanks so much for always being super responsive and helpful on Instagram. It's a great resource and I really appreciate it. My question is, I have a huge pork tenderloin, about nine pounds, that I promptly put in the freezer without actually cutting it down or prepping it first. And so I wanted to know, can I thaw it, cut it into you know, a size that will feed my family in one serving and then freeze the other parts again? Or do I need to thaw it and then promptly cook nine pounds of pork tenderloin in, I guess, a couple of different ways? So, um, or if I do thaw it, how long can I keep part of it in the refrigerator? Am I on like a deadline once it's thawed? So any feedback or suggestions on this would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Hi, Tori. Great question. Something we've never talked about here on What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine. So let's get into it. Here's the deal. You can do whatever you want, but I'm going to tell you what is going to be best for the meat. First of all, once you have a thawed piece of meat in your fridge, it's best to use it within three days. So keep that in mind up in the top of your head. I'm going to say you only want to thaw it once. Twice frozen meat. Here's the thing. When you freeze meat, the water inside the protein cells releases salts and the salt affects the protein, which can cause them to be tougher. So when you have like a fresh piece of meat, the muscle fibers are long and they seem really tender when they're eaten. When you have a frozen piece of meat that you've thawed once, the fibers have been damaged by ice crystals when they were freezing and then thawed again. So their salts have released, causing the muscle fibers to shorten. This is very scientific. And when you do that again, they have the ability to shorten an additional time. So that's why sometimes twice thawed meat can be tougher. You're also losing like a little bit of moisture every time you do that. So my suggestion would be to take the meat out, maybe cut half of it off, cook it that night, and then use the other half of it two nights later or something and do something different. You also could cook all of it and then freeze the cooked meat with like a cool sauce or something like that that you could use at another time. But if you guys are just like general rule, and I sometimes forget to do this as well, obviously, because we're all human, but if you are getting a big piece of meat from like a Costco or something like that, yes, it's always best to like cut it into however much you need for one serving and then freeze it in portions. Hopefully that helps. Hi, I'm Elizabeth from Cohasset, Massachusetts. 
First of all, I want to tell you that I absolutely love your recipes, your cookbook, your Insta Live. You didn't already know. <laughs> My daughter just piped in that one. Um, and I love your podcast, which I just discovered um, recently as well. I just got a pizza oven, the Brevel pizza oven, which I love, but I'm struggling with the dough. I never can make it right. I feel like sometimes it's too thick. Sometimes it's too gummy. I, I sit it out for the proper amount of time. I just need some tips on how to get the dough to do its best job when it's ready to go in the oven and make a perfect pizza like you make in a flash. Anyway, thanks for everything. You've helped us through this whole quarantine. I've been following you for a while and this has really helped. I have made breakfast, lunch, and dinner for all our quarantine. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> Gabby. <laughs> anyway, thank you. I appreciate it. And let me know about that pizza dough. See you later. Your biggest fan. <laughs> Bye. Hi, Elizabeth. I love you for correcting your daughter. That gave me a lot of joy. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about pizza dough. I don't know from your call if you are buying pre-made pizza dough or if you are making your pizza dough. I have a pizza dough recipe on my website. I'll link it in the show notes. It's incredible. It's very easy, very forgiving. So if you want to try using that, you're going to be good to go. It's a little sticky, which is okay. And it'll be less sticky as you let it sit. But if you're buying pre-made dough, which is totally acceptable, I do it all the time. Side note for all of you listening, if you want to know the best place to buy pre-made pizza dough, I would call around to your local Italian delis or like Italian markets and ask them if they sell frozen pizza dough, because that's what we do here in LA. And it is top notch. Okay. So five tips for working with pizza dough to like generally keep in your mind. One, you want to bring your dough to room temperature before you make your pizza. So like for me in Los Angeles, I take it out about 90 minutes before I'm going to use it. That way it can become like very pliable and workable and it's not cold. Cold pizza dough won't spread very easily at all. Two, you're going to want to sprinkle your work surface with a little bit of flour or add a little bit of olive oil. That way the pizza dough doesn't stick to whatever you're stretching it out on. Three, you want to press your pizza dough into a disc. Like when you get it, it's going to be basically a ball. Then it's going to thaw and like calm down a little bit so it won't be quite so tall, but it's still going to be like fat in like a ballish thing. So you want to press it down before you stretch it, like press it into a disc. And then number four is stretching the dough with both hands and using gravity to your advantage. So if you watch me on Insta Live, I like pull the dough with my hands and I let it fall down like naturally while I'm holding it just to like naturally stretch it. And then once it's stretched out, Part number five is to just stretch the dough out on top of a pizza peel or on a baking dish or something like that. It's always going to shrink in a tiny bit once you're done. So it's okay to over-exaggerate stretching it because it'll shrink like maybe a half of an inch in before you end up putting it in the oven. So props on the Bravo pizza oven. You are going to love it. It'll change your pizza making game. Please send me all the photos. And don't be alarmed if it lights on fire. Like sometimes the little bit of flour in there lights on fire. It goes out very quickly. Don't panic. <laughs> okay. Hey, Gabby, this is Emily calling from Wisconsin. I am loving your quarantine podcast. And since we've all been home, I've been trying to do more organizing, uh, pantry spices, things like that. And I guess I'm just wondering if you could do an overview of how you store spices, baking ingredients like flour, baking soda, sugars, things like that. I kind of have things sitting, you know, in the bag that they came in, but I want to know your thoughts on that. I hope you guys are well and hanging in there. Thanks, Gabby. 
Hi, Emily. Great question. And I just want for those of you who are listening who are like diehard Instagram story followers, I just want us all to reflect back on a couple months ago when we were posting daily to do lists at the beginning of quarantine on IG stories. And we're like, this isn't going to last very long. And now we're on day 974 and we've run out of things to do. So like, let's all just take a moment and laugh about that. Okay, let's talk about kitchen organization because there's all sorts of things that go into it. For spices and seasonings, you want to keep them for probably no more than a year. They're going to start to lose their potency. So if you don't use a ton of spices, buy smaller containers of them so you can go through them faster. They sell them at all grocery stores online. You get it. And I just keep them in the little glass tins, or if you're using mine, in the tins that they come in, I empty them out of the bags, keep them in there, they're airtight, boom. Baking ingredients. If you're buying like a massive bag of flour, you could portion that out and keep it in the freezer to last even longer. But for me, flour, sugar, panko, stuff like that, I keep in airtight containers in the pantry. Some things that do not need to be stored in the pantry that actually extend the life even longer. For example, if you guys saw on my website last week, I did that collab with California Walnuts. We did those strawberry streusel muffins. Amazing. California Walnuts should be stored in the fridge or the freezer. I store mine in the freezer because it's going to lengthen the life of them so much longer. And that way I can always just take them out and like let them come to room temperature, candy them up, whatever. I also store sliced bread. Like Thomas has all this like sandwich bread. I store that in the freezer. Butter is really good in the freezer. As you know, frozen fruits and vegetables. Um, I'm trying to just mentally make note of where everything is in my pantry oils, vinegars, all that kind of stuff. I like to store in a cool, dark place. That's another thing we should talk about. Like pretty much nothing needs to be stored near your stove with the exception of the olive oil you're using during that week or the next couple weeks, because anything that can get hot, it's not good for the food. So like always store it in a cool, dark place, just general rule of thumb. So hopefully that helps. There's a blog post on my site about pantry staples. If you want to look at that, I'll link it in the show notes also. So you can see everything when I have like a fully stocked pantry, everything we have, if you want to like cross-reference that. I hope that helps, Emily. Hi, Gabby. It's Megan from Kansas City. I am obsessed with every content you put out. So I'm really excited about this podcast. I have a unique question. So my husband has been on a field assignment for the last couple of weeks and will be for the next year for his job. It's not so horrible. He still comes home every couple of weeks, but instead of being sad about him being gone most of the time, I thought I would start to look forward to some food that I don't normally get to eat when he's home. So I was just looking for some recipe ideas and inspiration surrounded about a, around a couple of things. First of all, he's allergic to nuts, so I don't normally cook with them. So I would love any ideas of you know, proteins coated with nuts, nuts and sauces, nuts and dishes, anything fair game. So I'd love your ideas. And then also mushrooms. My husband hates mushrooms and I'm obsessed with them. So I plan on making your mushroom risotto this week, but would love any more recipe ideas to just make this a little bit more fun for myself at home. Can't wait to hear the podcast and look forward to hearing what you have to say. Bye. Hi, Megan. First of all, you are an incredible human. Like I'm so pumped that you're just looking on the bright side of that and thinking of cool ways to make the time fly and do things for yourself. So props to you. You're amazing. As you guys have probably seen, I've been having a love affair with California walnuts in case you missed it last week. Like I just said, I did those streusel muffins. I folded the, the walnuts into the streusel 
and into the batter. It was a game changer. So you could definitely make those muffins. I've put walnuts in pasta before, which is like, you're like, that's weird. Trust me, it's not. I use like a spiced walnut situation for meze boards. I candy them and add them to salads. I put them in so many different recipes because they're part of a Mediterranean diet. And that's all about putting fruits and vegetables and whole grains and olive oil and nuts and seeds on your plate, which is very much in line with what's got to be cooking. So super here for it. Plus walnuts in general just support like overall wellness with all their nutrition. They're like loaded with nutrients that support the heart and the brain and the gut, blah, blah, blah. You get it. I'm obsessed. Okay. Moving on to the second part of your question, mushrooms. Your husband and my mother could be friends. (laughs) My mother also hates mushrooms. Yes to the mushroom risotto. I'm also going to link everything I'm about to tell you in my show notes, but the mushroom carnitas on the blog are a game changer. You could do a mushroom polenta. There's a mushroom chicken Parmesan pasta that's incredible. There's mushroom pizzas. And then one of my personal favorites is the chicken mushroom lard bowls, which is just you cut part of the chicken out of the recipe and replace it with diced mushrooms. It's phenomenal. So all of those are way, I mean, like also if you go to what's gotbecooking.com and hit the search bar and just type in mushrooms, there'll be dozens of things that pop up. So you can just like take your pick, close your eyes, point your finger, pick one and go to town. But you're just an incredible human and I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) Okay. Let's get to the point in our podcast where I teach you guys all about a cool company that is delivering nationwide amazing things to keep us fed during quarantine. If you guys have never heard of Cowgirl Creamery before, it is amazing. Their cheese, it's all cheese. They're phenomenal. They've got the Mount Tam, the Red Hawk, the St. Pat, the Devil's Gulch, the Wagon Wheel. You've seen a lot of them on my cheese boards before. They're very special. They're not cheap. But if you have someone's birthday that's coming up or someone who just graduated and loves a cheese board, like I feel like that would be a really nice gift. And just the company in general is incredible. One thing I also wanted to call out is you guys have heard me talk about California walnuts throughout the pod today and on the blog recently. This was their first foray into sponsoring a What's Gabby Cooking podcast. So huge shout out to them for coming on board. As always, all opinions are my own and I will never work with a brand I don't fully believe in. So I just want to give you guys a heads up. I fully support California walnuts. I love them. I love their messaging. I love how they are for your body. All the things. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future until quarantine is over. (laughs) If you have any questions that you want answered, give me a call, 888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you have a super cool small company you know about that deserves to be highlighted, leave it as a voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out whatsgobbycooking.com and I will talk to you guys very soon. Bye.